Hello, this is Jim Humphrey, author of Live Long and Prosper, and you're listening to Live Well. A question was posed to me recently by a reader of my book uh, who asked, Jim, do you really think our environment and food systems are becoming overly toxic? And that's a great question. And yes, I do. In a February 2016 publication called Science for Environment Policy, it was stated, and I quote, human activity is transforming natural systems and endangering the ecosystem services they provide, which has consequences for human health, end quote. In short, in an effort for us to produce faster and larger yields uh, using bioengineering and creating convenience and food availability through a fast food process, and developing types of foods to withstand long shelf lives that contain little nutritional value, yes, we are becoming the masters of our own decline. Let me share with you just one example quickly of how we are impacting our ecosystem that consequently impacts food and ultimately our health. You see, our crops rely on things called pollinators, such as bees, birds, bats, and along with other insects and mammals, This is something that uh, we all learned early on in grade school, but in the past 14 years, the number of these various species of pollinators has decreased significantly. Have you ever heard the old saying, where the bees go, we go? In other words, when the bees are gone, we'll be gone. Well, there's much truth to this statement. You may be thinking at this moment, what's the big deal? I don't see the store shelves empty of my favorite microwave dish are my favorite foods. Well, these declines aren't of great these declines are of great concern to researchers today because it ultimately impacts our health in the long run. Previously, I mentioned that our crops rely on these pollinators, as do all crops around the world. And these pollinators contribute to a yield of roughly 35% of the global food production. And additionally, They're responsible for 40% of the world's supply of certain nutrients, such as vitamin A, which is important to growth and development, uh, folic acid, or vitamin B9, which is essential to many bodily functions to include fetal development of the brain and spine during pregnancy. So as we lose more of these pollinators, we run the risk of reduced energy intake, nutrient deficiencies, and serious threats to the health of our population. It's a simple math problem. Zero nutrients equals zero health. If you think your healthcare costs are high today, wait until there are larger scale nutrient deficiencies within our foods. Studies by the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization estimated the effects that pollinators decline might have on the human population on a global scale. And the study was very interesting. The study used various model elements that included nutrient food intake, uh, staples available around the world, along with the average pollinator support needed throughout 156 different countries. It also considered that populations will consume less nutrient-rich foods as a coping strategy once such a decline begins. In other words, to compensate for the decline in these nutrients, we'll be eating more of different types of foods to try to compensate or taking additional supplements to make up that difference. Regardless of the modeled scenario study, things don't look good if our present course continues, quite frankly. 
One of the models, for example, was a worst case scenario that assumed all pollinators were eliminated. Now this is truly a worst case scenario. If this were to occur, according to the research, there would be 23% decline in global fruit supplies. Vegetables would immediately drop by some 16%. Nuts and seeds would drop by 22%. 71 million people in low-income countries would become vitamin A deficient in addition to the already 2.2 billion consuming below average nutrition today. 173 million people would become deficient in folic acid in addition to the already 1.23 billion noted today. Pregnancies and health birth, healthy births would decline exponentially due to poor fetal development. Again, this is a worst case scenario. To make the prognosis even more bleak, the risk of these three groups of diseases would increase. Non-communicable diseases or non-infectious chronic diseases such as cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Communicable diseases or those transmitted diseases such as tuberculosis and influenza. And malnutrition related diseases caused by various vitamin deficiencies. This data was derived from what is called the Global Burden of Disease Annual Assessment. These are interesting numbers but what is the real impact on human lives and what can we expect? Global deaths from non-communicable and malnutrition-related diseases would increase by some 1.42 million, um, which would be about a 2.7% annual increase in addition to additional disabilities due to poor health uh, that would bog down our already overburdened health system. Early deaths would increase by some 27 million, or 1.1% annually. The thought resonating in your mind may be the same that I once had. Yes, that sounds like a valid worst case and catastrophic outlook, but can this pollinator extinction really happen? If you look closely, my friends, close enough, you'll find it already has in some areas. Think on this for a moment. The human brain and particularly the Western psyche, tend to overlook or block out events occurring around us when it doesn't fit our normal perception or our desired reality. Therefore, many of these environmental and physical changes going on around us get ignored until it's too late. An eco-impact example that, I've ex that I personally witnessed firsthand in many regards, over 60 years ago, the brown tree snake stowed away into aircraft flying into Guam from Southeast Asia. Within a few short years, the brown tree snake population exploded and decimated the indigenous forest life of Guam to include birds, bats, rodents, and a host of others. 10 of the 12 original bird species on Guam are now extinct. And the only birds, many not originally native to the island, reside in the populated sectors of the island where the snakes are not as prevalent. This event had a devastating impact on the natural ecosystem, and I have personally seen this firsthand. Not a pretty picture, but as you would expect, some parts of the world will be hit harder than others, such as Eastern Europe, South and Southeast Asia, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Now let's look a little deeper into this cause and effect. There is a general misconception by many that just because a product is sold in the grocery store, 
that it must be good for us. Unfortunately, this couldn't be further from the truth. A major portion of the food we see in the grocery store today is processed. That term is often overused, but what exactly is processed? In short, the original food source has been altered from its original state for the purpose of increasing shelf life, enhancing appearance, uh, longer freshness, uh, to preserve it for extended period of times. Um, chemicals have been added and many, if not all the nutrients have basically been removed through this processing. The effects of this food alteration are known now to be unhealthy and a major contributor to our poor health, as well as continual chronic diseases. In the late 1950s, there were approximately 800 types of food additive, additives. Well, even that number seems high to me, but today there are over 14,000 chemical additives, many of which have long-term health impacts we don't even know about yet. Have you ever wondered why some foods seem so addictive and you can't just stop after one cookie or one chip or just a few dips or some fries or nuggets or soda or a host of other things that we love to consume on a daily basis that are considered fast food or quick processed foods. This addictive behavior is actually by design. The mixture of toxic chemicals, flavorings, sugars, and dyes are designed to create an addictive behavior. Let's take a potato chip, for example. The potato in its natural state is healthy and has nutritional value. And let's just assume for a moment that that potato was grown in an organic environment. Um, nothing was added to it. Um, and it has all the nutrients um, that it was originally designed to have. That is a healthy food source. But this potato is then sliced and fried in oil. And often that oil is saturated fat. Thus, it has been altered. It's then placed in an aluminum foil lined bag where heavy metal is attached to the chip and then preservatives are added. Again, it's altered. Finally, monosodium glutamate, MSG, is added as a flavor enhancer. This is what gives us that addictive drive because of that flavor. This MSG is highly addictive and has long-term health implications, even though the FDA states that, oh, it's safe. It's a safe food additive. I mean, after all, the government, the government agency wouldn't tell us it, uh, it was safe if it really wasn't, right? Then there are those foods that are created, uh, don't resemble food, are not really food in the purest definition. Such things as some of your favorites, gummies, Twixlers, popsicles, and of course the original mystery food, Spam. Do we know what goes into the foods we purchased and put into our body? Or do we merely trust that a manufacturer somewhere has our best interest at heart and will provide us products that are good for us and assure our long-term health? I heard a man once say uh, some years ago, if it doesn't grow, walk, crawl, or swim, it's not real food. And those are probably words to live by. Now, as a general rule, processed and altered foods are difficult for our body to digest and require an enormous amount of resources to break down and synthesize. 
Our body, quite frankly, wasn't designed to break down and process the chemicals it's faced with today. The most common food additives include artificial colorings, uh, high fructose corn syrups, aspartame, MSG, um, sodium benzate, uh, sodium nitrate, and various trans fats. It's estimated that most Americans consume six to nine pounds of chemical additives each year. That should draw your attention and possibly make <laughs> and make us hurl just a little bit just thinking about that. Six to nine pounds of chemical additives per year from the foods that you're eating. Oh, and on a side note, I want to stress one noted additive that is used widely and proven to cause tremendous harm to the body over time, and that's aspartame. It's made up of three chemicals, uh, aspartic acid, phenylalanine, and menthol. Um, there's a book called Prescription for Nutritional Healing by James and Phyllis Balk. Uh, which lists aspartame under the category of a chemical poison. And that's exactly what it is. Even according to the FDA, aspartame accounts for over 75% of the reported adverse reactions to food additives. Again, even the FDA states that aspartame accounts for over 75% of the reported adverse reactions to food additives. Many reactions are very serious, which can include seizures and even death. There are over 90 different documented symptoms listed that are attributed to aspartame. And here's just a few of them. Uh, dizziness, uh, headaches, primarily severe headaches and, and the migraines, uh, seizure, nausea, breathing difficulties, muscle spasms, weight gain, rashes, depression, fatigue, irritability, and insomnia, and the list goes on and on. Physicians studying the adverse effects of aspartame recently have documented that several chronic illnesses can be triggered or worsened by ingesting aspartame, such as multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, brain tumors, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, um, mental retardation, lymphoma, uh, various birth defects, fibromyalgia, uh, diabetes, chronic fatigue, and others. Yes, there's more to the science of food production and marketing than just making it look and taste good. We often mindlessly munch on those sweet, salty, and flavorful foods throughout the day without even realizing it. Before you know it, there are piles of empty chip bags, soda cans, and cookie trays lying around the house or the floor of the car. Um, I, I can recall a couple occasions where me, uh, I've been sitting watching a, a movie, for example, holding a can of Pringles and before I know it, I'm at the bottom of the can and don't even realize it. Um, again, it's that addictive effect. Even more bizarre is when we try to stop consuming these foods altogether. We experience the same sort of withdrawal symptoms as that of alcohol, drug, and tobacco. And interesting, you know the feeling, headache, irritability, overwhelming cravings, and hunger pains. These are addict addictive behaviors as a result of the chemicals placed in the foods. Yep, all part of the manufacturer's design. Rarely is the connection or cause and effect made by us, the consumer. 
Like any other addiction, this toxic food addiction is difficult to kick. And processed food manufacturers know that, and they use that against us. Now let's dial in a little more on these toxins. Some may ask, don't we experience forms of everyday toxins? Yes, we do. Uh, we exporm, uh, we're exposed to various forms of toxins each and every day. And our body is actually designed uh, to process and filter out a lot of those natural toxins that are common in our everyday environment. But for the purpose of this discussion, toxins are defined as poisonous or harmful substances that can damage the body. And quite frankly, these are toxins that we have created ourselves and begin to ingest openly in our food sources. These toxins can damage or even kill cells within the body. They consume valuable resources and energy that must be used to fight and remove toxins instead of being used to heal or nourish as the body was originally designed. Most of these toxins are stored in fat cells. Therefore, not only are they present for a lengthy period of time in our body, they can later be released, forcing the body again to use valuable resources and energies to process or remove them. We'll touch on the importance of detoxification um, and how it is accomplished in, in a later episode. And, and believe me, you'll want to you'll hear about that because I'll, I'll be bringing in some very current uh, research and testimonials uh, by experts as to why it's very, very important that we uh, go through periodic detoxification. For now, let's look at an everyday example that some may not have thought related to toxins necessarily. Did you know that Americans consume the contents of 50 billion disposable water bottles last year? And it's anticipated that that will be even greater this year. In addition to the obvious waste and recycle concerns that most of us would have, what about the impact this is having on men's health? And yes, men, pay attention because I'm going to be talking about how this impacts your health specifically. Uh, and ladies, you might want to kind of use the elbow at this point and nudge your, your gentleman friend and let them know that, hey, this does have an impact. What impact on men's health, you may ask? Before you begin laughing or rolling your eyes, stick with me for just a moment. Almost all and, and I won't name any, any manufacturing names here, but almost all manufacturers of pop, popular disposable water bottles use a low-cost polycarbonate plastic and epoxy resin from BPA, or bisphenol A, which is an, in, uh, which is an industrial chemical that has been used to make certain plastics and resins since the 1960s. So it's not new but it's very widely, highly used in disposable plastic uh, bottles and containers and wrappings. BPA is a type of xenoestrogen, which often leaches into the water. What is a xenoestrogen, you may ask? Um, and gentlemen, you need to know this. In this case, it's a type of synthetic estrogen. Each time you squeeze that plastic bottle and hear that crinkle sound, a little more xenoestrogen is released into the water. Why? Because you're actually breaking up the uh, plastic 
in that crease that it's creating when you when you crinkle that bottle so that estrogen that xenoestrogen has to go somewhere so it's released into the water this estrogenic that's released then stifles testosterone yes this chemical that's released into your water from your bottle stifles your testosterone some re some research reports today state that each time xenoestrogen is released into the water it can reduce production of male testosterone for up to four hours. If a man already has low testosterone scores, this can, this can significantly impact energy levels, uh, muscle mass, bone mass and density, and yes, even sperm count. Water bottles are not the only offenders out there though. Many of the foods we purchase, especially within processed food packaging, like lunch meats, for example, are wrapped in the same type of polycarbonate plastic as the water bottles. So not only do you ingest the toxins added during processing, but you get the additional BPA byproduct of xenoestrogen from packaging. Yummy! A study published by the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism in February 2007 showed a decline of 1.8% by year group in male testosterone in men ages 47 and up since 1987. So from 1987 till the publication of the study in 2007, each year testosterone was declining in men over 47 by 1.8%. In fairness, the study fell short of pointing to one particular cause, but it did list several dietary environmental factors as potential causes. Something to think about, gentlemen. So, I'll leave you with this question to ponder. Very similar to what I started with. Is there any relationship with the growing toxic toxicity of our environment and an apparent rise in chronic illness? All evidence seems to point in that direction. But until next time, remember, feed your body, your mind, and your spirit and live well.